Psalm 40. The 40th Psalm. We have an Old Testament reading and then a New Testament reading. First of all, the Psalm 40. The 40th Psalm. This is the word of the Lord. Let us hear together. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them that be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it, let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Ah, ah, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as, as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Amen. We turn now to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 7. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us hear God's precious word together. The Lord helping us, giving us ears to hear and hearts of faith to receive his word. 
Let us hear the word of the Lord. I read from verse 13. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings are mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to that public reading of his precious word. Let us draw near by faith now and seek the Lord. Many things we especially come to praise his name. Let us draw near by faith together. Dear congregation, dear friends, I would ask you to please turn your prevail Attention there to the Psalm 40. To consider some words here in the Psalm 40. Psalm of David, of course, it is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see, this Psalm speaks also not only of David's experience of salvation, but speaks of the Saviour, who is the rock, and who is also set forth in this Psalm as the sacrifice. For his people, the sacrifice whereby they are accepted before God. David has declared that there, in, by the Spirit in verse 6, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. And then we read, thou wouldst not desire, mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. 
Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. If we know our Bibles at all, we know that those words are quoted in Hebrews chapter 10. And they were spoken of Christ when he came to the world. Sacrifice and offering could never take away sin. But a body did God the Father prepare for his Son, that in that very body he should suffer for his people. And I want to look first of all this evening at the conversion experience here of David, set forth in these first uh, four verses, and then have a brief overview of the psalm. And again, the great theme of the psalm is not so much David, but the rock of David, the salvation of David. Maybe there are those here tonight, you're as building your life as we read there in Matthew chapter 7, you're building your life on shifting sand. There in Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus said, He that hears my word and does my word is like the wise man that builds his house upon the rock. And in that great day of the storm of God's judgment, that house will stand. Our life could be pictured as a house. We're building a house. But will that house stand to the test of God's judgment on that great and awful final day? Unless our lives are built upon the Savior, the very Savior who David trusted in, the Savior who was, the Savior who set him free and set his feet upon that rock, unless our lives are built on him, We'll not stand that great trying day of God's judgment. But maybe you know nothing of this rock. Maybe it is that the Lord will open your eyes to see this rock that David trusted in. I pray that it might be the night of some poor soul's mercy, even here tonight. May the Lord be gracious to enable me to minister his word. Notice with me as the psalm begins, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And here David will go on to speak of the salvation of the Lord, and this is really the salvation. The Lord saved this man. Now the Psalms, they really, they set in order. We know that the Psalms were numbered. We know this from the Acts of the Apostles, when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and he speaks of the second psalm. The psalms had numbers and they were all numbered and God has put them in a specific order. Now Psalm 39 really uh, is essential to understand, to truly understand the Psalm 40. Because Psalm 39 begins, I said I will take heed to my ways. And it's suggested here that perhaps David is a young man. And there's begun a searching in his heart. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth 
with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then I spake with my tongue and noticed these words, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. You see, here is David. The question is asked, Lord, and the request, Lord, make me to know my days, what it is that I might know how frail I am. I address you, young people, and even old, see how frail we are. We're as frail as summer flower. We're as the grass that comes up. Moses tells us in that older psalm, Psalm 90, soon we, we grow up as the grass in the morning and then the evening it is cut down and we are taken away. Psalm, here David is saying, Lord, make me to know mine end. What is your end? Your end is not here in this earth. Your end is not here in this world, my friend. God has given you a never-dying soul. And you have one of two destinies, heaven or hell. Really, this was the question of David. Make me to know mine end. What really is my latter end? We read of the latter end of Job after his trials, but Job had another end. Job is now with God. Job had many blessings in this life. The Lord gave, the Lord took. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the Lord took Job to be with him. The Lord took Moses to be with him. We see Moses there upon the mount with Elijah. The disciples saw it all. Make me to know mine end. In person, do you know what your end is? Heaven or hell? Well, here is David. He says in verse 3, My heart was hot within me, Psalm 39, while I was musing the fire burned. Maybe looking at a fire itself, but there was a fire burning within his heart. It burned. This is the burning question of the soul. What is my end? My friend, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. What of you? What of me? Am I the Lord's? We read the Lord Jesus said, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. The tree is known of its fruit. Many will say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you. Many will say, Lord, we went to church. We preached in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. But I never really knew the Lord. Well, David in his life he experienced really what he was. And this is where really Psalm 40 was. David sees himself to be in a horrible pit. But I want you to notice Psalm 40 begins, I waited patiently for the Lord. Patiently. Seeking God is not some haphazard thing. It's not something we to do lightly. 
It's the most serious thing. Let me say this, the Lord searches every heart that draws near to him, whether that heart is sincere or not. The Lord, we read, searches the heart, he tries the reins of a man. Many will call upon the Lord, but they will call upon the Lord for, for things in this life. Lord, give me a career. Lord, give me a wife. Give me a house. Give me health. But they don't wait for the Lord. And they don't seek the Lord. They certainly don't seek the Lord as sinners. They seek the Lord thinking they deserve something. But they don't really realize they deserve nothing. Absolutely nothing. If God were to take you or me tonight and send us to hell, he'd be right. That's all we've ever earned. And I want you to see there in verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Let me say, when man was made, he was made from the dust. Out of the miry clay, we are told in Romans 9, that God takes from one lump and he makes a vessel unto honor and a vessel to dishonor. He's not speaking about pots, but he's speaking about men. He's speaking about men who are described as vessels. The body, we could say, is a vessel. Within that vessel, there is a soul. And that soul lives on forever. But let me say that we all come from, from one. We come from our parents. We come from the clay of Adam. And we are all lost in Adam. Adam, from dust thou came, and to dust thou shalt return. The miry clay. David here is not speaking about the fact that he was in some pit somewhere. He is not speaking about that distress. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about knowing God. And he's here talking about setting his feet upon a rock. He's not sinking in some quagmire somewhere in the wilderness, but in the quagmire of life. David, of course, was once lost, like every Christian once was. And God, throughout the word of God, is described as the rock. David could say, could he not, the Lord is my rock. We read there in that psalm, that tremendous psalm, the psalm of David, Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock. Psalm 28, verse 1, unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. This is the rock of David. Why is God described as a rock? Because he is immovable. And the Bible speaks, we, we sang there of Christ, didn't we? Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. So different is a rock from the sand, from the mire. Sand is always shifting, but a rock is immovable. And God is, is immovable. And look at the picture there. It's the picture, the analogy. He was in a horrible pit. The pit of man. 
the pit of a, a lost condition, unable to get out. And you notice it is the Lord that delivered him out of this pit. He waited for the Lord, and the Lord came. But he saw himself in a pit. He saw himself as hopeless. It's a picture, even if you could say the grave, we can think of, we were thinking with the young people there, of Joseph, when his brothers threw him in a pit. Remember, it was the Midianites that came. And they sold him off into slavery. Well, if he'd have been left in the pit there, he'd have perished. Well, I suppose we're in sin. We're born in sin. And sin will take us not only to the grave, but to hell and to a lost eternity. It's the pit we read in Zechariah chapter 9. Thou hast by the blood of thy covenant sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. There's also the pit of hell. It's a lost place. And hell, there is no escape from hell. We read, don't we, in Job, of that awful pit where not even one could be redeemed. Once they're in that pit, it's, they're lost forever. But here, David says, he brought me out of an horrible pit. You see, it's waiting on the Lord, but waiting on the Lord is what a sinner, as David saw himself, a sinner who sees that he is before eternity, make me to know my end, my end beyond this life. Any person, do you often think beyond this life? Or do you just think about this life tomorrow? Or tomorrow may never come for you. Next month may never come. But there is eternity. That's one thing that's guaranteed. 2024, the rest of it may not be guaranteed you. But certainly eternity is. And you may be swept into it very soon. Well, notice he took me out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. Now, let me say this. When God saves you, he convicts you that you are a sinner. And there is no hope. David tells us in this psalm here, blesses the man, verse 4, that makes the Lord his trust. David was not trusting in himself. He was not trusting in his own righteousness. He was not even trusting, you notice, even in sacrifice. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not desire. You know, even the religious hypocrites of his day, in the Lord Jesus Christ day, they should have known. God was not pleased with these things. They could not atone for sin. They were only pictures pointing to the Christ that was to come. Look, verse 7, then said I. You see, David was a prophet. We know this. David was a prophet. He speaks there in Psalm 16 of the Holy One of God, the Holy One of Israel, who the Father would not see that his body would rest to see corruption in the grave. But notice, immediately after verse 6, sacrifice and offering, we have these words. 
And God speaks in the middle of this psalm now. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. That could never be said of David. David was never a preacher. David was a king. And David was a prophet. But he certainly wasn't a priest. And he wasn't a preacher. But here, when Christ came into the world, what did he preach? He preached himself. Do you realize that Christ preached himself? Uh, to those downcast souls on the road to Emmaus, on the day of his resurrection, what did he do? He opened up the scriptures, beginning at Moses and the prophets. He expounded all things concerning himself, that he, the Christ, should what? Not rest in the grave. And let me say this. The one who was going to save David by his own body, Jesus Christ, would have to become, as it were, clay. Would have to become like unto us. He who is the rock would have to, as it were, become clay, fragile. Think of how fragile clay is. and Think of the comparison. God, the eternal rock, the rock of ages, Christ would have to take to himself our frail flesh. And his flesh would have to be pierced for our transgressions. If you just turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to show you, those of you who are not sure of this passage and really what is being set forth. There in Hebrews 10, we read, and here the Apostle Paul speaking about the Ceremonial law, not here speaking about the moral law. There's the ceremonial law, there's the civil law, and then there's the moral law. Here he's speaking about the ceremonial law, which now has passed because Christ has fulfilled it with the giving of his own blood, with the shedding of his own blood, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. In other words, the ceremonial law was speaking of something better to come. And that's what the, the whole of the epistle to the Hebrews is all about. The better things. Christ is better than all the sacrifices. They could not atone for sin. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. They couldn't justify a sinner. They, the sacrifices had to be kept being offered because they could never take away sin. For then they would not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have not had any more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins. Sins are always there. That's what all these sacrifices are saying. Man, you can't wash away your sins. Nothing can wash it away. Now notice the application. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Now notice verse 5. Wherefore when he cometh into the world, that is Christ, he saith, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not. You see these are words taken directly from 
David, the prophet, speaking of Christ. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. David could never truly say this. He did delight in the law of God in the inward man, but never so perfectly as Christ. When Christ came into the world, it was his native air to please God. The fear of God was, as it were, his native breathing air. It was natural to him. That filial affection, that high esteem and awe for God. And yet having become man, he would come under the law of God for his people, fully obeying the moral law of Almighty God. And my friend, you see, this is why when he came into the world, the father could say, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Could never be said of David, could it? Could never be said of you, of me. When God looks down, the Bible says he sees that none are righteous. No, not one. All have gone aside. All have sinned. David was in this Terrible pit of despair. So was Job once. How can a man be justified with God? It's not possible. But God in his amazing love condescended to reveal to David that he was a sinner. That David had eternity as he mused. The fire burned within his heart to ask that question, what is my end? What is my eternity? Where am I going? What's the meaning of life? David knew what it was to be a poor shepherd boy. He also knew what it was to be a great wealthy king. But he was nothing without God. And this life was empty without his God. And when God saved him, he put a new song in his mouth. We read of that here. Not the song of the world. Young people, do you love the songs of this world? What are they? Listen to all the love songs. They're rather depressing, many of them, aren't they? Always end in some sad, sad affair. The songs of this world, sad. But God's people will sing forever in heaven because they will not be judged for their sin. One day people are going to part. They're going to part from each other and everything good in life is going to be taken away. All that you have. You know what it is to eat warm bread and that smell of bread the taste of a ripe peach on a warm summer's day and a cool drink. What it is to love somebody. My friend, all those things will be taken from you one day. And you'll have nothing. 
Because God has given you these things in this life. And how have you repaid him? You've lived as if he were not. He causes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust and causes his rain to come down. Men are so unthankful. And men say, Jesus Christ came into the world, and you say, so what? So what? So what? Is it nothing to you that he should die? Is it nothing to you that the eternal God should come into this world and live as a man and die the most cruel death? It is amazing love. Animals could never take away sin. No blood, not a thousand bulls or goats, not all the goats of all the world and the sheep or anything like that. Verse 9, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation that could never be said of David. But Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ preached righteousness. Do you remember what he said? What did he say? What are the scriptures constantly saying? This is how we shall be saved. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. Well, the Lord becomes the, the righteousness of the believer. God says in Isaiah 54, 17, Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This is the inheritance. This is the heritage of the saints, we're told. This is the gift of God, even the righteousness of God, which is my faith in Jesus Christ. The sin of the sinner was imputed to Christ, who believes on Christ. And God gives the free gift of his Son and the gift of his righteousness to all who believe upon him. Christ preached righteousness, and he also preached this. When the Lord saves somebody, there's an imparted righteousness in the life. Look at what David said. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. That means he changed my life. He set me on a new course. This is the way now. This is the way you live. He doesn't just save you to take you to heaven. But he establishes the goings of a person. He puts a new principle in that man's life. Christ is that principle. Christ is that righteousness. And Christ works righteousness. Do you remember what he said in Matthew chapter 5? I have not come to abolish the law. I have not come to abrogate the law. No! But he said, unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? Was he saying, on your way? He was saying, if the tree be good, the fruit will be good. The life will be changed. This is how you know. Your feet have been set upon the rock. There's a new principle. There's a new desire. You want to love him. 
you want to serve him, not legalism. He said, unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of these religious hypocrites, if your life is no more than outward form, my friend, you have not life in Christ. Remember what he said at the close of that chapter 7? He said, the house that will stand is the man that hears my sayings and does them. You know there's life. He lifts you up. And he gives you a new life. That's wonderful. I thank my God when he saves. He changes everything. He changes a man. And as you look at Christians here, they're not perfect. We would be the first to say we're far from it. We're like David. We're like Paul, a wretched man that I am. But he is continuing to establish our goings. And he hath put a new song in our mouth. Even praise to our God. You see, it's all of God. It's not praise to ourselves. It's not, oh Lord, look at me. Look how well I've done. The righteous will fall. But he'll get up again. The Lord will lift him up. The Lord will strengthen him. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud. Nor such as turn aside to lies. Many O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare of them, they are more than could be numbered. When Christians count their blessings, and they begin to count, so often we forget our blessings, but when we begin to enumerate them, they multiply and they multiply and we look back over the years and we see how gracious the Lord has been to us. We say, O oh Lord, I am thine. Thou art the rock, the unchanging rock. But the rock, as it were, had to become fragile. It's amazing when he was there upon the cross, he yet remained the rock. He remained the rock of ages. He remained divine and yet within that being was God the Son who was made flesh for his people that he would redeem us Paul tells us in Hebrews he took not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham do you realize God promised Abraham a seed from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation that Abraham would be the father of many nations, the father of the faith. And we're told by Paul in Galatians 3 that if we're in Christ, Abraham is our spiritual father, the first who Christ could say, he saw my day from afar. And rejoice to see it. 
and was glad. David was glad. David saw it. Many have seen it. Many come to hear the preaching. And here, look at verse 9, I have preached righteousness. And my friend, let me put it to you this way. God accepts nothing but righteousness. Nothing but righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ by which a sinner is received. You come with your own righteousness, my friend, you stand at the bar, God will shut you out. There's no entrance into heaven. Nobody will say, Lord, I have this to present to thee here. Here I am at the gates. Receive me, Lord. I've done this. I've done that. He will say, I never knew you. You hear that there in Matthew 7. We did this. We did that. But none of them pleading Christ. The one who truly pleads Christ. Pleads his merit. Pleads his shed blood. And will love to serve him. In this short life. It is a short life. Have you asked God. Like David. Lord. What is mine end? Look at the text there. and Lord make me to know my end. Go home. See God. Muse. And see God. And ask that burning question. Lord. That I may know how frail I am. You have an end. As I have an end. I don't know when my last sermon will be. I don't know when the last time I will see it will be. But I have an end. And you have an end. May it be a good end. It will only end well if it ends with Christ. Amen.